Hi, this is Jim Swilly. Welcome to Metron Live. Metron is a Greek word that means sphere of influence. I believe in living your best life possible, and that's the reason for this podcast. This is my Metron. Now let me help you discover yours. raise my like I can't do that right now but when I raise my arm it's like okay that's that thing is gone so once this heals I'll be okay let's all let's all stay I'm just like yeah we already on oh great that was that was my opening things I was not smoking cigarettes that was a figure of speech I was saying we were all talking and it didn't occur to me it was 11 o'clock yet I was answering Eddie's question, do I feel like it's healing? Yes. Yes, I do. Um, one thing's for sure, though. I, d- I did that painting, uh, which is fine. You know, it's great to open up new neuropaths. I'm definitely left-handed, though. You know what I mean? It's not like... It, it was such a re- uh, reaffirmation of you are who you are. You can have other behavior, but you're wired a certain way. I mean, if I wrote with my right hand for the rest of my life, I'd still be left-handed. It's not writing with your left hand that makes you left-handed. It's uh, it's how you're wired. But yes, and happy left-handers day. I don't know why it's uh, August thirteenth. Beth's left-handed. Are you are you left-handed? Alan is. Uh, it's a it's a whole other. You know, they used to burn us at the stake. But fortunately, now they have moved on to other minorities. So, pretty much now. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Just can't catch a break. <laughs> uh, one time I was, I was thinking, hello, viewers. I'll get to you in a moment. Um, I was just writing down a, just certain things about my life, and I thought, man, I'm really a subset. You know what I mean? It's like with everything, like most people are this, but I'm this. Most people are this, but I'm, and it just kept getting smaller and smaller. It's like, I think there's only like three others of me anywhere. But anyway, actually, there's like, there's none like any of us. We're all completely unique. Uh, we enter this geographical location. Uh, being a, made even more aware that we are in the presence of God. We are always in the presence of God. But there are times when we come together where two or more are gathered together in His name that something else happens. So we believe for that special and unique manifestation, something that is unprecedented, something that will be said today, something that will be felt today, something that will be experienced today, that will absolutely make a difference in someone's life and in some butterfly effect way will change the world. Somehow, little incremental changes in our thinking today will have long-term effects on history. We do not believe that's a grandiose statement. We believe that's a reality. So, Spirit of God, for this time that we're together, you're in charge. We, uh, we surrender to Spirit, and we embrace supernatural. We thank you for it in your name. Amen. Let's, um, 
Let's all stand and do the Lord's Prayer together, if we may please. Our Father, who art in heaven, presence of divine love and light that lives within us and within all of life, hallowed be thy name. We invoke the powerful, creative nature of all that is sacred and holy. Thy kingdom come. We embrace the healing essence that is the kingdom of heaven within us. Thy will be done. We accept our greatest good as we align with our divine nature. On earth as it is in heaven, knowing that the affairs of our lives reflect our evolving consciousness. Give us this day our daily bread. Each day we receive great blessings from within and throughout all the activities of our lives. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. We accept the divine nature of all things and all people, including ourselves, as we move away from judgment and toward greater awareness of divine presence. And lead us not into temptation. We shall be vigilant in expressing and experiencing the oneness with all life. But deliver us from evil as we are learning to live without fault-finding and suffering. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. For we accept the consciousness of divine perfection with all its power and glory right here, right now, and forever. Amen. And so it is. Good. Excellent. Excellent. Give, uh, give somebody a greeting and then you may be seated. And thank you um, again so much for being here. And those of you that are logged on at home, we welcome you. And uh, <laughs> Ron has a, a different version of Tourette syndrome. Just is what, periodically she just calls out people's names <laughs> for no reason. <laughs> I think she was saying hello to you. Um, thank you so much for being here. Uh, I hope nobody uh, mistakenly came here last Sunday looking for us because we were uh, on Tybee Island last uh, week. And we're going to show you a little uh, clip of that uh, in a little bit that BJ put together. It was extraordinary. I never like to compare them. I never like to say one's the best one yet because each one is unique. But I can't think of one that was any better. And uh, it was very synchronistic. I wasn't even that sure about Tybee Island. I thought, you know, we're probably going to do this one time. But it actually, it was very cool, and uh, we'll we'll do that again. Some of you stayed in Savannah. Some of you stayed on the island. Did y'all stay in Savannah? And uh, had you been had you been there before? Okay, it was cool though, wasn't it? It's like it's 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 different from uh, Jekyll and St. Simons, but but definitely. Uh, Definitely very cool, and um, I'll say some more about that. Um, let me just give you a, a few announcements. Um, uh, in case you're interested in this, uh, you, you know, um, uh, the man that Debbie's been with for several years, Shannon, you know, he passed away, and his, um, his memorial service is next Saturday at 10 a.m. at the Movement Church. And... Um, it was, you know, it was sad, but it ended. I've, I've talked to her about it, and it, it was, it ended for him as well as it could. His his sons came from Missouri and got him, which was the appropriate thing. And uh, she was able to go out and see him one more time, which was which was good. 
So we, we're going to that Saturday, and then, I don't know if y'all remember Mr. Marshall, Ken, Ken's on call this week, uh, but the they never got married, but his, I don't think you can call somebody a girlfriend when they're in their 80s, but his lady friend, Miss Darlene, really sweet lady, she passed away. So her service is at three in Eatonton, so we're... Um, Please don't anybody else go this week because we, we can't do any more funerals next Saturday. But uh, just letting you know all about that. She was 90 and, and Ken got to go see her. She was sort of like a surrogate mother. It was it. We, we have laughed about this because she said that um, just a couple of days before she passed, she said that M- Mr. Monty, who's Ken's dad, appeared to her. And so that's cool, you know, because when you see loved ones, yeah. My question to Ken was, is like, how's that gonna, how's that gonna work out with your mom? <laughs> I'm not sure. I guess in heaven, everybody's way more laid back, uh, because, um, I don't know how that works. You know, for people that think they're gonna be reunited with their spouse in eternity, I don't know, your spouse may have somebody else. So I don't know. There's some some mysteries we won't know till we get to the other side. But uh, anyway, if you you know when you start seeing loved ones uh, coming for you, it's uh, you, you might you might want to get prepared for a journey. Many times they're coming to get you. Um, but anyway, uh, let me um, announce to you that uh, we are doing an outreach this uh, month. We're, we're going to do it for the fires in uh, Maui. Uh, we're going to give through the uh, uh, Red Cross there, the Hawaiian chapter. And I talked to, uh, some of you all know Zach Keogh. I, I uh, communicated with him. He's, they live on Oahu. And he said where they are, they're unaffected by it. But he knows people on Maui. And they're, you know, they're, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. Hey, y'all, come in, come in, come in, come in. Come in, come in, come in. <laughs> they that came in will receive the same award reward as those that <laughs> that worked all day long. Um, hey, y'all, come in. Y'all are actually arriving right at eleven eleven. So I don't know. I don't know if y'all planned that. They've been standing outside going, wait for it, wait for it. <laughs> yeah, y'all come on in. The waters are troubled. People are coming in. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, what was I saying? Oh, about uh, get, um, what's particularly serious about the situation in Hawaii is, you know, when there's a, when people you can't compare natural disasters because they're all horrible. What makes it really bad for these people is they don't have any place to go. There's like there, you know, like when you have a tornado or hurricane, you know, there's another neighborhood you can go to. They're sort of uh, isolated there, and it's just uh, they had no warning. There was it just you know people just sitting in their houses and the uh, flames. So. Um, I mean, our our little bit that we can do, you know, matters, and uh, so we will be giving to them this month. And you know, I, I don't know how many of you looked at it, but I put together uh, some pictures of all the places we've given to in, in nine years, and it's it, when you add it all up, it's pretty significant. I mean, Metron Metron's given more than a lot of big churches give uh, to 
some ministries, but also, or, hey, how did your surgery go? I, t- I messaged you, but I thought you were at. Uh, so you, he had his second cataract surgery today. So, I mean, uh, Tuesday, yeah. So, uh, we're, we're all of us are getting all kind of new parts, <laughs> little by little. <laughs> we've re- <laughs> we've reimagined the scripture. All things shall be made new. Like we're, we're doing it by one surgery at a time. <laughs> I'm telling you, new new parts. That's why my friend John and Melissa that drove down from Albany, New York. Uh, you know, he just had two knees replaced, and I said, "We've got to get a picture of you on your crutch and me in my sling." Because we, we look at like we've been in battle. Um, I've just got to where now the because every elevator I'm on, people say, "What happened to your arm?" I'm now I just say bar fight, you know, and they they, <laughs> they back up from me a little bit. I'm like, word to the wise, don't mess with me, because I do not play. Um, but anyway, that's we're we're giving to them. Uh, uh, and I, I, it's one of my favorite things about Metron is we're able to continue to give. Also, we are uh, we're planning meditation weekend number twenty. And I, had, when we were in um, Tybee, I mentioned the possibility of going to Gatlinburg. But the more I thought about it, I thought, man, that time of year, Gatlinburg, I love it, but it's it's one big traffic jam and it's fine if you're just there just with your family but trying to coordinate a 30 40 50 60 people that would be a little challenging so we had planned to do one in LJ LJ is a beautiful quaint little uh, North Georgia town kind of close to Blue Ridge where we went a few years ago and um, we we had uh, come on in we had to cancel it because of the pandemic but uh, so I had LJ on the um, still uh, on in my sights so um we are going to do and there's there's no um <laughs> how he called me uh yesterday and he said i just need to say this to you we want to come to the next meditation weekend but i can't do it the weekend that you're looking at i said i know and there's no perfect weekend for anybody i just at some point i just have to say we're going to do it this weekend and and do what you can so uh it seems like the last several falls we've done last weekend of the month, and that seems to be, you kind of miss the peak uh, crowds of people that are there to see the colors. So anyway, that is uh, that is coming up, uh, what, October 28th and 29th, LJ. It's, really, it's not far from here, it's, it's, but it's a beautiful little town, especially in the fall. It's just, it's just gorgeous. We'll probably do some indoor stuff that time of year, but... Uh, but it will be wonderful. Um, I'm going to show you this little clip that uh, BJ put together. But this um, several things about this past weekend was really, really cool. Um, I did not plan that we would be celebrating Metron's ninth anniversary on our 19th meditation weekend. It just it, the planets just kind of lined up that way. So I thought, well, that's really cool. I like, you know, I, I like nines. And, you know, in the scripture, there's nine gifts of the Spirit, nine fruit of the Spirit. And, you know, there's a lot of a lot of cool energy on the number nine. And so we, Ken and I went down a, a day early, and I was scouting out places. And uh, I'd only stayed at Tybee once years ago, and I wasn't familiar with it. Uh, so we found, I found a spot that was 
you know how those islands have a street that's that take as an access point to the beach and there's little parking areas i found one at uh, 18th street and it was okay it was like this this could work i, I could i could see this but i told him i i, I said i'm just going to drive down the street if there's a 19th street this is going to be really really cool and we drove down the street and there was and it was perfect it's it's actually what i would have picked out if it wasn't 19th street and just the fact that it was um i don't know just i, I love little green lights from the universe like that and we had um uh i said my friends drove down from um um albany new york y'all know pam she drove down from new hampshire um people drove up from Florida Ed came down from Tennessee uh, 80 who I only knew through Facebook uh, flew all the way in from Colorado and I they walked she walked she and her husband not her husband her friend walked up on the beach and as I'm looking at her I, I thought because I'd seen pictures of her I thought this is uncanny you thinking you look so much like this woman I'm friends with because she's super supportive and and um, uh, pretty much anytime I do an 11-11 she'll always watch and she writes a little review about it and you know it really matters to her and and uh, you know I, I love when people care that much and she said you were talking about it and I thought I'm we're just going to come to it and, it, and so they came and she was adorable and um, um, Jeanette's friend from uh, yeah, 80 surprised me. That was great. I realized that was her. And also uh, Angela's from Indiana. I think she flew down from there. Uh, I'm trying to think if anybody else came from out of state. But it was it was really cool. The the meditation community is sort of nearly a different thing than the theater community here. That and. Um, a lot of the people that come to all of these have never been to Metron, so it's it's. I kind of feel like it's separate but the same. And um, we had uh, wonderful um, uh, manifestations. Um, Sonia said she saw nine birds fly over. I don't know. They had happy hour at their hotel, so I don't know. That was great, BJ. Thank you. I was telling him um, on the beach, I said, you know, what's really cool, uh, I mean, BJ's a professional photographer. That's what he does. I said, but the, what you add a dimension that I wouldn't have if I just hired somebody. I said, first of all, the, the thing about the pictures is important because it, it captures a moment and the, the, somehow the energy of that moment stays in that photograph so you you're able to relive it again and again so it's really it's it's important it's just it's um it, i don't know it just it really matters to me and i said you know the thing is is you know me so well you know the you capture the shots that you know i would be interested in i've i've hired photographers before and i've looked at it and I thought i should have had a conversation with them before <laughs> like <laughs> i remember uh, i don't know if any of y'all were even there but uh we did my 50th birthday at the egyptian ballroom at the fox theater and it was i had all the care passers if i had known y'all still i think y'all the only ones uh you were there 
If I had known a couple years later most of those people were going to be leaving, I wouldn't have spent quite that much money on it. But anyway, um, uh, somebody had hired uh, Mark Eskew to do an Elvis. That was not, it was fine, but it wasn't anything I requested. Well, apparently the photographer was super enamored with Mark because there's, I think there's like two pictures of me and 47 pictures of, of Elvis. And I thought, you know, we should have communicated this, that this is, <laughs> yeah, birthday boy right here. Hello. But anyway, uh, not that he doubts it, but uh, BJ and I both know that that was a Kairos moment we met a few years ago. And so I always appreciate that he captures these uh, wonderful times that we have at Metron. Uh, that was really cool. And I hope many of you will come to number 20. Are we ready? Yes. Oh, thank you, Michelle. Yes. Uh, I've scheduled um, Chelsea Shag. I knew there was something else. Thank you. Chelsea Shag is going to be back uh, September the 10th. She's going to be doing a sound bath. So uh, she's real excited about that. And thank you for reminding me of that. And um, so looking forward to having her. If you, if you didn't get if you, a chance to experience that before, it's really very cool what she does. And um, I mean, she's a great musician, uh, but I, I love that she's kind of in this mode right now, and it definitely works with our flow. So thanks for reminding me of that, Michelle. Charles, I think I'm going to skip the meditation today, but uh, we're just going to get right into it. If, if there is a Charles, if, if Charles can hear me, give ear to my words, oh, Charles. <laughs> <laughs> you know what it reminds me of? I don't know if any of you ever watched the Kelly Clarkson show, but she does a she has a, a segment where she plays a game with uh, her whoever her host is, and the referee is supposedly God. I can't believe she doesn't get hate mail for this with her with her crowd. But God referee, so so they they never you never see him. There's just a voice that explains the rules and stuff, and it's, that's kind of what I. <laughs> I feel like with Charles. If we're ready for the podcast, Charles, we shall uh, proceed. Welcome to the Metron Live podcast, coming to you from Metron, um, brought to you courtesy of the rock god of podcasting, Charles McFall. Metron people, would you please welcome the uh, podcast people? Hello, people. Podcast people. I feel like it's uh, we're speaking to another planet. People of Podcastia, we come to you in peace. Um, thanks for the great feedback from our last um, series we finished up. I did, uh, some of you all remember John Wanza. I did his uh, uh, interview show last night. He, uh, they, they're into their third year doing this podcast. He and Di- it's apparently pronounced Dylan. I've called him Dylan for all these years. Uh, anyway, the, and it was about miracles. And... Um, uh, so it was definitely fresh in my mind because I had just talked about miracles. And um, yesterday was the fourth anniversary of when uh, we went tubing in North Carolina and I lost everything. What's interesting about, and, and got it all back, and I told that last night because somebody on the show asked me, they said, can you give me an example? Yeah, that. Can you give me an example of miracles? And I said, well, this is the fourth anniversary of this happening. And what was cool is... Um, 
uh, Howie called me and um, he said that Jerry uh, took his, I don't know how old his grandson is, he's probably pre-K, I guess, took him swimming at this um, uh, spring they have there in, in uh, Central Florida. And while they were there, Jerry lost his phone. And the, the little boy got really upset about it. And he was like, what are we going to do? And how much did that cost? And, and uh, he said that he, because he was there the day that we, I called my stuff back and got it. And it really was very impactful for him. And he said, we're going to get it back, but it's okay if we don't. I mean, it's like it, everything's fine. And when they got to the, um, when they were um, checking out of the place, uh, he asked the lady at the, wherever, the booth or whatever, um, did anybody turn in a phone? And she said, can you describe it? And he des described it to her. She says, here it is. And so it was a real, it was very impactful for his grandson to see that. And uh, he doesn't know if they lost it in the water or whatever, but it definitely was brought back. And his his words were, if I hadn't seen that that day, I wouldn't have known how to handle this. And... Um, Really, the series I'm doing this month kind of builds on that because what, what I was telling him, I said, you know, what's really important in that case is your attitude. It's like um, my first book was written about this, but like when, when Jairus comes to Jesus and he says, my little girl is sick, and Jesus says, yeah, I'll come, I'll come heal her. And as they're en route to the house, one of Jairus' servants comes and says, don't, don't uh, trouble the master anymore. Your little girl is dead. And Jesus preempts anything that Jairus is going to say. And he says, be not afraid, only believe. And what I see in that is a lot of times a situation that's evolving is it's neither a good or a bad thing. It's, it's like, it's what quantum physics tells us about the the observer effect. It's how you see a thing that determines how it's going to collapse into your reality. And when Jesus says to Jairus, don't say anything, just believe, what I see that he's saying in there is, if you freak out about this, it's going to be a different scenario. Your, your attitude will determine a very, it, it will create a very negative space around this. If you'll just keep it in neutral, I can I can do something here, and um, so I was telling him I said that it was a really teachable moment for him as a grandfather to show by example to his grandson that you know a lot of the drama that we have in our life is because we panic and overreact to stuff that if we would just that, that's honestly that's one reason I love meditation so much because I really think serenity is a superpower and a lot of times when you have a situation if you'll just before you react and before you create drama just stop and if nothing else if, if you can't walk in faith then at least walk in stillness at least say I you know, it is well. I'm not going to say any more about it because I I really do believe we muddy the waters on uh, a lot of our own manifestation. So what I'm going to talk about this month is kind of this is the next progressive state. Those of you that were on Tybee this weekend already heard me talk about some of these things, but I'm telling you, with every conversation I have, nearly I think. 
Oh, everybody, I need to keep saying this word. Because everybody, not so much with y'all, because Metron people are pretty chill. But, you know, I've, I've got 5,000 people just on my main page, and they're, I'm pastoring them constantly. And it's amazing how people stay in crisis mode. Uh, just on, and so many things. And, and you want to say to them, I think you're, is the word exacerbating? I think you're, you're making the situation worse because you keep talking about it and counseling about it and complaining about it. And, um, you know, um, it was interesting because some of us went out to eat, what, Friday night on Tybee. And I was using, I think I was talking to y'all, and I used the analogy of planting a seed and pulling it up. And John Huey said the next day, he actually did that when he was a young man. He said, I, I planted a garden and I kept going out and pulling the seeds up to see if they were growing. And he said, I killed them because at a certain point, you have to commit a thing to the soil and say, I'm going to trust the process of nature to do what it's got to do. And it might not happen in my time frame. Um, so, uh, let me show you the title uh, of this uh, series this week, this month, is uh, Manifest the Best, Stop Believing Everything You Think and Learn to Trust the Process. Stop Believing Everything You Think and Learn to Trust the Process. I want to use this scripture. I've, I've used it before, but I want to I give you a little bit of backstory on this scripture. This is out of um, Job chapter 22, and it's where in the, if you ever hear the phrase, decree a thing and it shall be established unto you, that's, that's the way it's stated in the, in uh, the King James Version. Here's the way, this is Job 22 verse 26 through 30 in the Message Bible. Um, it says, you'll take delight in God, the mighty one, and look to him joyfully, boldly. You'll pray to him and he'll listen. And look what he says here. He'll help you do what you've promised. It's not just him watching over his word to perform it. It's him watching over your word to perform it. You'll decide what you want and it will happen. Your life will be bathed in light. Uh, to those who feel low, you'll say, chin up, be brave, and God will save them. Yes, even the guilty will escape, escape through God's grace in your life. Let me give you a little backstory on this. Full disclosure, uh, you know, Job had these three friends who came to him, and the, the bulk of the, the book of Job is the conversations between these three friends trying to help him make sense of what's happening in his life, okay? And let me just stop right there and say, be careful who you surround yourself with because, yes, there is safety in the multitude of counselors, but there's also a lot of drama in the multitude of counselors. And there's sometimes when too, peop too many people know your business, you can get too much static on the signal, too many people telling you what they would do in that case. And at a certain point, it becomes confusing, and you can't even find, because we're all impressionable. Uh, at a certain point, you can't even find what you want because there's so many voices on the line. Um, you know, I try to, if there's something that I'm really working through, there's only two, maybe three people that I'll even bounce it off of because... I tell too many people what's going on and like when I've in the past when I've ever posted something online 
about something, some issue I was going through. Some of the people who would offer advice, I would read what they would write, and I think, man, you are so, you are so not on the same frequency with me. That's like, first of all, you don't even understand what I'm talking about. That's not, that's not even what the issue is here, because everybody's seeing the world through their. you know, their paradigm. And you feel like, well, if I just talk to enough people, eventually I'll get the answer. No, you won't. You're going to get a lot of confusion. The word din, D-I-N, it means just like too much noise. A cacophony. Like, I like to watch The View until everybody starts talking over each other. And one day this week, I was, it was actually a rerun, I was watching it because it was one that I'd missed. And when they all, they got in some argument, which I respect, that's the whole point of it, is that everybody gives their viewpoint. But when they're all talking over each other, I'm like, I'm changing the channel. I can't understand what any of y'all are saying. And I've, I've got closed caption on. A closed caption can't even keep up with y'all because, because you're, it's too much stuff. There's another word I'm giving you. Come on in. I'm giving you the words for the day. It's not, I think it's the word cacophony. And it just means when there's just so much noise that you can't hear anything so um, sometimes when you're going through something you really you need to take a little cue from Mary as she she pondered all these things in her heart and it's okay to uh, like I know in my own case there's people who know me well enough that I can say to them I'm in the heart of the earth I, I'll be back I'm prophesying my resurrection just, you know, everything's fine. Everything will be fine. That's my way of saying, I'm going through some stuff. I don't really want to talk about it because talking about it's not going to make it any better. And I know you're going to, if I tell you what's going on, you're going to feel compelled to, you know, give me your two cents. And it might, that might not be kind of where I'm at on it. Um, so having said that, this is part of when he says this, uh, this is part of, uh, I think it's Eliphaz. I believe that's, that's one of Job's friends. This is part of what he says to Job. The reason I'm including it as the word of the Lord is Job's got 40, 41 chapters, somewhere in there. I think it's, I think it's 41. Maybe it's 40. Um, but the final chapters are the creator sort of verbally sparring with Job, saying, if you think you know so much, why don't you, you know, he says things like, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? And he says all these things. But in that context, he also says, deck yourself with majesty and declare unto me, and I will show you that your own right hand can save you. Did you ever say to your kids, don't make me come up there or don't make me pull this car over. It's a verbal clue that says, I don't want to, don't make me get in mode where I'm going to have to start hitting people. <laughs> I think about my, I have a first cousin who I've not seen in years, but I always think about this because she had three sons and they were a handful. And one day, years, years ago, when the boys were all little, she was had a babysitter. She was driving the babysitter home. And the babysitter was in the back seat with the three boys. <laughs> and she was driving the car. I do not advise this. Don't shoot the messenger. 
she's driving the car and the boys are fighting and she's yelling at them and saying, y'all have got to shut up. Don't make me pull this car over. And so while she's driving, she takes her shoe off and just starts hitting people in the back seat. And suddenly everybody got really, really quiet. And she looked back and she was hitting the babysitter. And the little babysitter was freaking out. She was like, and she was like, oh my God, I'm not trying to hit you. I'm sorry. I was aiming for these idiots. And, you know, <laughs> I mean, you'd have to have known my cousin. We, we got many good laughs out of that. Um, but when you say, don't make me do such and such, it's a verbal cue to say, I don't want to have to, don't make me be the bad guy. It's, it's, um, it's an invitation to mercy. Um, it's kind of like when, um, when God speaks to Moses and he says, I'm so, I'm so furious with the Israelites. He says, I'm going to wipe them out. And then he says, leave me alone that my wrath may wax hot against them. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like two guys getting in a fight and, and one guy says to his buddy, hold me back, hold me back. You know, because it's your way of saying, I really don't want to fight this guy. So if you'll pin my arms, you know, th- we can have maybe a better outcome to this situation. And I'm saying all that to say, yes, Eliphaz said this, but it's really, it's God saying this. Do you understand? It's God saying, Job, who do you think you are? But at the same time saying, you have the ability to change this situation. You know, when, when, um, he put that video together. He used the song, what, what if God was one of us? God, God is one of us. I mean, when Jesus came, it was the Word made flesh. And then Jesus said, it's necessary that I go away so that you can become the Word made flesh. So if you can go back with that in mind, go back to the first part of this, Michelle. And again, he says, you'll, um, he says, you'll pray to him and he'll listen. He'll help you do what you've promised. I think... Too many people have wasted too much time saying, I just don't know what God's up to, but God's got a plan, and eventually God's going to tell me. Some people have been waiting for 30 years for God to reveal this plan. You know, the meter's running. You're not getting any younger. <laughs> you know, at some point, you might just need to say, you know what, I don't know if this is God's plan or not, but I don't know how much time I got left, so this is what I'm doing. And I really think, um, like, I, I, I can't say that I heard some voice when I was a young man that says, go to Conyers, Georgia and start a church. That's just what I, for, because of a series of reasons, that's what I decided to do. But I believe that was the, the plan of God for my life. But it was decisions that I made. Do you understand? And at a certain point, you have to trust your own divinity enough to know, I'm going to decide this. And, it, you know, if, if, I, if I'm going to include a higher power, then I'll say this. This is the direction I'm going in. If this is a mistake, put a red light up and stop me and I'll go another direction. But otherwise, if I don't hear a no, I'm going to assume that's a yes. And in most cases, I believe it is God saying, yes, just just do it. Just make a decision, get a plan, and I'll bless it. Too many people sitting around the throne saying, Lord, if you'll just bless me, just, just do something. Over the years, I mean, I was... When I was younger, I was way too abrasive, and I probably hurt a lot of people when I would say this, but I just believe it was the truth. 
I spent so many years of people coming to my office saying, I believe I'm called to a ministry. What do you think? And I would say, well, what are you doing now? Well, nothing. I'm waiting for God to tell me what to do. And I would say, I don't think you're, I don't think you're called to a ministry because if you're called to a ministry, you just do it. You, you don't, I understand getting feedback and everything, but if it's, if you really feel that strongly about it, you would just do it. Like when, when I was in eighth grade and, it's back what we called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know, I received that on February 14th. On February 15th, I went to my homeroom and stood up on my desk and started preaching. I had 25 converts my first day. I didn't have to counsel with anybody about that. In fact, when I told my parents about it, they were concerned. They were like, I don't, I, I don't, we don't want you to be that aggressive. And I'm like, y'all are turned over to a reprobate mind. Y'all don't even know. I, I won't bounce anything off to y'all again. And, you know, they just want me to go to school. Like, you know, it's cute, you know, but you need to learn some stuff. But the, but it was I was called to do it. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, the, the people who are really, if you're really called to do something, you're probably already doing it and don't even realize it. I, I know back when we had care pastors... At church in the now, and if I sometimes I would go to somebody and say, I'd, "I'd like you to pray about becoming a care pastor," and sometimes people would be so surprised, they'd be like, "Really? Why me?" And I'd say, "Well, I'm surprised you don't see that already, because pastoring isn't preaching. Preaching's a different thing. Pastoring is shepherding people, and there are people who are excellent shepherds who are never going to stand up in a pulpit and preach. They're they're completely different things, and." Um, you know, the, the reason I would pick certain people out is I could tell these people are sort of, they're influential and they have kind of natural caretaker abilities and they're, they're kind of already doing it. You know, I mean, when somebody would say to me, hey, I visited so-and-so in the hospital, I, I would make a mental note of it. And I think, okay, this, they know where the hospital is. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> Because <laughs> there's a whole bunch of stuff that goes with hospital visitation that if you haven't done it, it's a little bit, it's a little daunting. Um, that's why I would, I would try to do this with them. I try to walk them through, like, when you go to the hospital, do this, do, you know, you need to look for this and kind of explain to them because they ended up doing weddings and funerals and all that kind of stuff. I explain. I had one, one pastor was calling me from, from the funeral home said, I'm doing a funeral. What do I do? <laughs> and I said, find the funeral director. They'll walk you through everything. They'll tell you everything. But mainly all they want to know is what you're going to start with and what you're going to end with. So tell them, give them a cue. If you're going to end with a scripture, then tell them what that is. I said, are they, are they burying or cremating? They're burying. All right. Same thing. Just all you have to remember is stay with the body. Like just you, you sort of escort the casket and all you have to do is just remember that. And when you stay, uh, you know, when they take the casket out of the hearse, you stand there. Your, your job is to, is to sort of shepherd the person who has passed on. And that's why when you'll, you'll notice when you get to the graveside, they'll say, uh, they'll say the head's right here. You need to know what that means as you stand at the head where the person's being buried, not the foot of them. And this person called me later. He said, oh, my God, it was like it, they went right down the list. It was like everything you said to me 
That's exactly what happened. That's exactly, if I hadn't called you, I would have had no idea. I said, well, you're doing, you already innately kind of know how to do this. There's just some tweaking of some, some things. I remember when I was in, uh, when I was in college, I was in a pastoral class where we had to go, there was a huge assembly of God there, and we had to go learn how to baptize. So it was a bunch, probably 40 minister, ministry students. We go, they fill up a tank, and we all baptized each other. And we were all coming out soaking wet, and there was a lady uh, who was there for a, a morning Bible study, and she said, what are y'all doing? I said, well, we all just got baptized. And she was like, oh, what a revival. Like, she was so excited. She said, all these 40 young men all getting mad. And we, she was so happy about it. We didn't want to tell her, no, it's a, it's a class project. But, okay, we just like, I know, God's, there's going to be a revival in the land. You know, like, just, I didn't want to rain in her parade. Um, but what I love about this, he says, you'll decide what you want and it will happen. Can I tell you that that's a bit of a self-esteem issue? There are people who have gone through their whole life afraid to ask for what they want because of their own sense of unworthiness. And it could come from a lot of places. It can come from religion. It can come from your upbringing. Sometimes when you're raised in a big family and and you know you just learn how to na- navigate with sibling rivalry and stuff and uh made to feel like your desires don't matter i, I love what jesus said um uh ask in my name that your joy may be full i love that because he doesn't say ask for things that will be a part of my purpose in the earth. He says, no, do you want it? Well, then ask for it. I, you know, when, when I was raised in old school Pentecostalism, uh, I used to hear people say, well, you just can't pray for anything you want and get it. And when I got, come on in, when I progressed a little bit, I would think, well, why not? Why, why can't I pray for what I want? If Jesus says, ask for, ask for what you want that your joy may be full, I mean, I have four kids. I, you know, I don't want to. I don't want when they were growing up. I don't want to be monsters about making unreasonable demands. But if there's a certain brand of something that you know, if I'm buying it for them anyway, and this is what they want, sure, why not? And um, so I want you to remember that because I'm going to come back to this during the month. You'll you'll decide what you want, and it will happen. Your path will be bathed in light. The next scripture I want to show you. One I refer to a lot, it's Matthew 5.37 in the uh, English Standard Version. It's just simply, he says, let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. Let me tell you why this is important. I truly believe, and I know I've already talked about this last weekend on the beach. Let me reiterate because you need to hear it. If you'll just get clarity about you want, about what you want and speak it out of your mouth and then let it go and don't micromanage it, like put your seed in the ground and leave it alone. You can water it and, you know, make sure that it's, uh, the, the growth, um, is everything's conducive to growth. 
But I'm telling you, most of the drama that people have in their life is they just, they either don't trust God, they don't trust their instincts enough, they don't trust that what they want matters. And so they say this is what they want, but they keep talking about stuff. And whether it's God or the universe or whatever, is saying to you, make up your mind what you want because you put this thing into motion and things were already moving in that direction and now you say you want this. So so which is it? And that's why Jesus says, just, just say yes or no. Do you want this? Do you not want it? And what's so interesting, he says, anything more than this comes from evil. Evil. Meaning that... Um, Confusion about what you want comes from evil. I remember um, when I took driver's training in, when I was a kid, I remember the, the, the guy who was teaching me, he said, the most dangerous thing you can ever do, especially on expressway, is indecision. If you're going to go, go. If you're going to change lanes, change lanes. Like It's that not being sure about what you're going to do, that's what creates destruction. And I, I honestly think it was a life lesson because when you don't learn how to just say yes or no to things, yes, this works for me, no, this doesn't work for me, and it's all that weird in-between place where you're trying to figure stuff out and justify it and micromanage it and overthink it. That's where all the confusion comes in. I guarantee you the majority of what people have thought was spiritual warfare was just their own indecision, their own indecisiveness. There's no demons fighting you. You just can't make up your mind. And because the thing didn't work out exactly like you wanted it to work out in the time frame that you had, you're assuming the worst. And at some point you have to say, I don't know how this thing's going to work out, but it's it's everything's going to move toward my favor. Which brings me to the third thing. I, I love this Eckhart Tolle quote. Uh, he says, the pain that you create now is always some form of, some form of non-acceptance, some form of unconscious resistance to what is. On the level of thought, the resistance is some form of judgment. On the emotional level, it is some form of negativity. The intensity of the pain depends on the degree of resistance to the present moment, and this in turn depends on how strongly you are identified with your mind. The mind always seeks to deny the now and to escape from it. In other words, the more you are identified with your mind, the more you suffer. Or you may put it like this, the more you are able to honor and accept the now, the more you are free of pain, of suffering, and free of the egoic mind. Why does the mind habitually deny or resist the now? Because it cannot function and remain in control without time, which is past and future. So it perceives the timeless now as threatening. Time and mind are, in fact, inseparable. Can I put that in biblical words? Casting all your care upon him because he cares for you. That's basically another way of saying that. Saying that once you have said your thing, once you have made your decree, once you have decided what you want to happen, then you have to leave it alone and stop running around wondering why it's not happening. It's that 
it's like you keep if you do that you keep putting it out there and canceling it out as soon as you put it out there you put positive energy out then you cancel it out totally double mind and it and it uh it double mind james has a double minded man's unstable in all of his ways uh and so what happens is you create this environment of instability and that's what if there are evil forces out there that's what evil preys on it makes you feel vulnerable it makes you feel like like even i know it's a small thing let, let me explain something to you about finding that 19th street access point i don't doubt for a minute that i'm in the flow when we do these meditation weekends and when i decide you have to know it's kind of a big deal for me just to say hmm let's go to blah 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 and 30 40 50 60 people take time off from work spend money for traveling and hotel it's kind of a big deal and so i feel the responsibility of it and i want to make sure when i choose a place that it's the right place and that you're going to have a good time and it's you know if you want to create a vacation out of it that's awesome and you know eddie eddie brought a whole group of his family and they were adorable and i loved your daughter's feedback on it, the things she posted on tiktok was very very cool you know she bought that painting i did with my right hand i got to finish it but uh i'm gonna get it to her this week um but i i want that to be great for all of you and it's not that i doubted tybee island but i just i wasn't that sure of it because just because i didn't like it that much you know i, I love jekyll and saint simon tybee's like it's okay um but I, I kept feeling like, no, nah, let's, let's do that. At least once, let's go th there. And just, it's a small thing. Small synchronicities mean a lot to me. And when I found that space, and it was on the 19th Street access for our 19th one, you may say, Bishop, I think you're, you're reading too much into it. No, what I saw is, what I read into it is, you're in the zone. You pick the right places. You know what you're doing. And... uh nobody's complaining about it nobody's saying you know we're not going to go to another one of these cockamamie things we're tired of going all over we got people i i just posted a thing yesterday there's already 13 people signed up john brock wrote me he said we already we already got our, our room locked in we'll bring another couple with us i'm like man y'all do not play they go to an assembly of god church in columbus georgia that doesn't really do a lot of meditating if you know what i mean <laughs> it's it's not really their jam and they've been to 10 of them i think and uh that's really cool again it's not like i was doubting it but there's just like i was pretty sure that was the right thing and then when i told ken i said 18th street is good but i swear if i drive down this street and there's a 19th street and there's no other i mean there's not a 20th street and, you know that 19th is the end of the island which i'd never i'd never driven down the oh i'm feeling the anointing i'd never driven down that far and i said 18th is gonna be fine but i swear to god if i drive down butler street and there's a 19th street access and when i drove up and i saw all those parking spaces and you know it was a, a quiet place on the beach i was like 
chill me, I don't know the Holy Ghost. I mean, it was just, and, and you have things like that in your own life. Like, I don't base everything on signs, but I know if there's, um, if there's a way I visualized a particular thing going, if there'll be just any movement toward that thing happening, then I interpret it as, okay, I wouldn't, I would call it a miracle, but it's miracle-ish. It's miracle adjacent. Um, it seems like a small thing, and I can't tell this to everybody because some people trivialize this kind of thing. But you know, last year when, when I had Reba down for my birthday, that was real important to me. Like that was really cool because it was, I always wanted to have her, and it happened on my birthday. And I called Howie, and he had never met her, and it had been a life dream of his. Uh, he's a bigger fan of the Rambos than I was. And so I thought, well, this, uh, there's a lot of components, a lot of working parts to this weekend, but I hope this will work out. And remember, I, I couldn't get in touch with her, and so I really want her to come on April 3rd, but I don't know. And it's a small thing, but there was, there was something I wanted to wear, and so there's a, a pair of shoes that I ordered online. And they came in early. I ordered them and they were like, I couldn't believe how quick they came. Now you say, that's just, come on now. It's just, that's just Amazon.com. No, what I saw when I opened it up, and I can't believe these shoes came so quick. Oh, this weekend's going to be exactly like I visualized. And it was down to the smallest detail. Now, how did you get that from uh, a pair of shoes? Because that's how I wanted that's what I wanted that weekend to look like. And when I saw that, to me, it wouldn't have been, if they hadn't come in, it wouldn't, I wouldn't have canceled the weekend. I mean, it wouldn't have been the end of everything. It was just like, oh, I'm getting, I'm going to get exactly what I want. And quite frankly, it exceeded expectations. It was, it was, it was something for me that was personally important. And I can't tell you how many times we've talked since then and I've said, how can you believe the way that worked out, I mean, you were in between cruises and just happened that she finally came down and we worked it out. And even little things like he called me and he said, I don't know anything about Atlanta, but this is the hotel that I got. And I said, uh, it's a block from my house. That'll work. And it was just little things like that. You say, well, are those miracles? Yes. That's why you're not getting miracles in your life because you don't notice little things. The more you see miracles, the more you see miracles. Okay? And what I like about this is part of, um, part of saying what you want to happen is not being in denial of what is. I hope you get this. You don't get a miracle because you need a miracle. You get a miracle because you notice miracles, and miracles are a lifestyle. If, if this is what your soul sounds like, hey, give me a miracle! I need a miracle! Oh my God! Don't you see how bad everything is? You're not getting, all you're going to get is you're going to be absorbed in a vortex. I hope you all enjoyed that. That hurt my throat. <laughs> you're going to be, would you open that? You're going to be absorbed in a vortex of self-pity when you do that. And ain't no miracles coming. If you say, thank you. 
if you say, oh my God, miracles are everywhere. My life is a miracle. Even last night, this um, this show I did with Wanza, he had several people on. It was kind of like a, a Zoom thing. And I told my thing about getting my stuff back from the river. The other people who, who were on told about miracles of life-threatening things, like somebody's heart stopping or having a stroke or or you know all kind of like really serious stuff and he asked me to he said can you conclude what all we've talked about and I said well what I hear um, all of you who were on here had these things that like a couple of guys actually died for a little while and um, I said it doesn't it make you appreciate every morning that you wake up you're like oh my god I woke up again. It feels like a miracle, and which they all agreed to. And I said, the thing is, you move from manifesting miracles to realizing that you are a miracle. The very fact, you know, I have to say, even this little journey I've been on with my heart this year, which I'm believing every time. Uh, uh, this morning I was uh, taking, I got these super beats, uh, Chewables that are for blood pressure. And every time I take it, I'm like, the aneurysm is shrinking. The aneurysm, you know, that's, that's my, you know, I, I fully expect when I go back and he'll be like, where, where the heck did it go? Uh, but the good news is, you know, when, when I first heard about it, it was so scary. And like I told you, what really, you know, what scared me the most was the words of my own mouth. Because I've said to my kids 5,000 times, I don't want to go with a long, drawn-out thing. And so I'm like, oh, crap, I've spoken into existence the quickest way to make an exit. You know, at least with a heart attack, you can you got time to call 911. People, people survive heart attacks all the time. Not an aneurysm. You know, it's like... And you're going, you know, it's like, holy, like, there's not time to text my kids or anything. Like, nope. I'm like, okay, universe, God, angels, ancestors, anybody, anybody that's out there. I didn't mean quite that fast. No, I don't want years being bed fast somewhere, but I'd like a, oh, I don't know, a few minutes. <laughs> that's what scared me, huh? A few hours, yeah, that's what scared me. I thought, great, I've snared myself with my own words. I've spoken into existence the quickest possible exit. <laughs> I was telling uh, Ken's ex-boss's wife was in town not long after I got that diagnosis, and she texted me from the airport, you know, you want to get together, and we, I picked her up, and we had lunch. And so I was telling her about it, and she said, "Are you gonna, are you gonna like drop in the middle of this lunch? Because you're kind of freaking me out." I said, "I hope not. I'm pretty sure I can make it <laughs> to the end of lunch, but I don't know." But here's my point: the good news is, every morning since then, when I wake up, I'm like, "Yay! <laughs> I woke up!" And when you, when you have that. Attitude, not that I think I'm about to go, I'm going to live out my time. But, um, when you, when that becomes the template of your day, when you wake up saying, I did it again. I woke up again. Amazingly. I woke up again. And, uh, 
it automatically sets the tone for miracles because you everything becomes miraculous there's nothing like a a near death experience to really make you appreciate life you know i mean just the other uh last week i i think i told y'all this but um I, I went over here on Ponce de Leon, I went to Great Clips and got a haircut. It's in a parking lot. Across the driveway is a Starbucks. So I walk out of the the uh, hair place and I'm walking over to the coffee as I have done a bazillion times. Nobody has ever not stopped at the stop sign there. It's it's not even a road. It's the driveway in the parking lot, and it's two lanes. And so I'm I'm looking at my phone. And I'm stepping across as I've done a bazillion times, and I don't know how in the world this guy got up this much speed, but he completely ran the red light and zoomed by me. I mean, I don't know that it would have killed me, but it, we would have canceled meditation weekend for sure. And I mean. I, it so came from out of nowhere I couldn't believe it I'm like good lord you're really are you running from the cops and um, I just sat there <laughs> drinking my coffee thinking what would have just happened like if, if what if he had just hit like I mean I, it really kind of shook me up a little bit I did it again yesterday I didn't get a haircut but I, I was over there again yesterday and let me tell you when I cross that place, I stop. Y'all all stopping. Everybody stopping. Okay, because I'm, I'm now walking. It made me, and, and it may save my life at some point. Because you know, there's nothing like missing a car by about that much to say, dude, put your phone down and pay attention to where you're walking. Uh, I'm going to show you this. This is also, oh, this is a Deepak Chopra quote. This may be the best thing I'm going to show you all day. Thank, you know, I appreciate everything I've said for the last few minutes. But basically, I can boil down this, and I don't want you not to come back. You can say, well, I'm not coming back the rest of the month because he said this was it. Let me tell you, can I just tell you why I like for you to actually show up? Because you're influential. And when you don't show up, other people say, well, if, it, if he's not showing up, I don't have to show up. Like I, Ken and I, I mean, Jude and I have had this conversation many times because he always posts on Facebook and he, about his, his uh, service the next day. And he said, I hate when somebody writes on there, we're not going to be able to make it tomorrow because it automatically influences other people. And I, I said, I, anybody says that to me, I delete it immediately. I'm like, I bind you devil in Jesus. Now, like, don't put that out there because what you're saying is, oh, y'all stay home because I'm, you know, I'm not going to make it. Just, we don't, we don't need to know that. What I love is when people say, we're going to be there early. I can't wait to hear because where else would we go? You have the words of life. I'm like, you're my favorite person ever on social media. And it's because you, we influence other people. That's why. Because there's a, a nano, I mean, I can't deny, I didn't feel it for a second this morning when I'm, you know, sitting there drinking my coffee and thinking, I need to get ready. Just, I, can, I mean, I get it. 
There's for a nanosecond that you think, maybe I'll just sit this one out. Are they, well, I got <laughs> Well, and it's not that you don't love everybody, but it's like, I mean, I just had to do, I just got ready and did hair and makeup just a few hours ago for this podcast thing. I got to do it again. Because my, I don't know about you, but mine has to start all over the next day. Like I can't, I can't carry it over the next day. <laughs> it's like I don't know what I do during the night, but when I look at the mirror in the morning, I'm like, dude, you got to start all over again. Yeah. <laughs> See, uh, you just moved to, you just, you just moved in. Heather pulls into the lead. Come on, Jesus. No, but that's exactly my point. And if there was any any time that you could have said, oh, it's too late. I'm not going to make it. Exactly. And and once I get here, I'm so glad. Of course I'm glad. I mean, but you know, truth be told, nobody wants to be anywhere. I mean, you know, for, at a certain point, you're like, do I really have to? I mean, I, I get all of that. I'm just saying. All right. So what I'm going to show you does not give you permission to sit the rest of this series out. But this succinctly captures exactly everything I'm talking about. Please, you show it. When you force solutions on problems, you only create new problems. And and the blessing will be on the decision. The problem is the indecisiveness. And when I read this, I thought, oh, that's it. When you force solutions on problems, you only create new problems. That's all that happens. You think, well, I'm worrying about it because I'm being I'm, uh, I'm being uh, mature. No, you're creating more drama. You're creating the drama that you're going to have to walk out. I'm telling you, people, I, look, I know life has got challenges. I'm very aware of suffering in the world and, you know, negative things that there's no point in us even bringing up there because, of course, they're real. I'm not saying none of that stuff's real. I'm, what I am saying is the natural state of things, you're not supposed to just live in chaos all the time. That's not what you're, and, and you may have to curate a life to produce that thing. But if you have a lot of chaos, first of all, you have to realize these are things that are coming from decisions that I've made. These are choices that I've made. And I have to, I have to accept them. Like, I did this. So how am I going to work myself out of it? 
because I don't want to live like this anymore. You're not supposed to just live in high drama all the time. You're supposed to be able to relax and enjoy life. And you know, Jesus said, I came, I came to give you life and that more abundantly. You're not, it's not supposed to be this. Like, like I remember when I was a kid, I don't know if y'all did this in your church, but in the Pentecostal church growing up, on Wednesday night, people would stand up and get, it was, they'd give their testimonies. And nearly everybody would, I remember even as a kid, I would hear people say, y'all, the devil's been after me all week. And then they would start telling you all the horrors that had happened. And it was like, it's like a Satan worshiping service. Because like, wow, you know, to thee we ascribe glory. I mean, like this is, nobody has said Jesus. I haven't heard of Jesus out of any of y'all. But the de- y'all, y'all are all up in the devil. Can I tell you something? The devil is you. You're your own devil. You're bedeviling yourself. Your thoughts are your devils. Sister Sawyer's feeling it. <laughs> BJ, have you got your church hat in the car? Because Sonia's going to need it. <laughs> BJ keeps it in case he needs to run the aisles. <laughs> All right, let me finish this up. <laughs> um, and here's one more Chopra quote. He says, the law of detachment says that in order to acquire anything in the physical universe, you have to relinquish your attachment to it. This doesn't mean that you give up the intention to create your desire. You don't give up the intention. You don't give up the desire. Uh, You give up your attachment to the result. The moment you relinquish your attachment to the result, combining one pointed intention with detachment, at the same time, you will have that which you desire. That's why, uh, good, you know? And that's why, if you will indulge me to mention it for the bazillionth and one time, when four years ago, when I lost all my stuff on the river, what I said to the guys, because we had to, I mean, the sun's going down. We've got, we've got to leave. I just can't stand on this river bank all day long and hope something floats up. Especially when the park ranger says, you're not ever going to find your stuff again. He's, she said, when stuff goes under this water, it disintegrates. And so I said, all right, we're, we're fine. You know, we had already had lunch and had a beautiful day. And I thought, I don't want to, re- everybody's having this great time. I don't want to make this all about my, you know, my issue. So we, we were fine. I didn't freak out or anything. But before, as we were getting in the car, I said, let me just, I'm going to say this one time. Um, this is not the end of the world. And Ken's already said he could take off tomorrow because I, if I don't get my stuff, I got to start the whole process. I've got to go to the DMV. I've got to get a driver's license. I've got to cancel credit cards. I've got to, you know, all this stuff. And if, and if that's what I've got to do tomorrow, it's not the end of the world. Fine. I just need to say that somehow before midnight tonight, I'm going to get all my stuff back and everything's going to be working. I'm just going to say that one time. And fortunately, I'm with people who didn't laugh at me and say, what are you talking about? Really? And as we, you know the story, as that evening, it was 10 till 12 as we're driving into the parking lot, deck of my uh, loft. I said, I, I said, Ken, I would like you to notice it's 10 till 12. I have everything that I lost in the river 
Everything's working. My phone works. My Apple Watch works. The ink on the check didn't run. And this is stuff had been under the water for three hours. Um, so the point is, is it's like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego saying, we believe God will deliver us from this furnace, but if he doesn't, we're going to be okay. It's the, it's the, that addendum that says, I am totally believing this is going to happen. If it doesn't happen, I am totally going to be fine. And that's where the detachment comes in. It's in your sense of desperation that you lose the manifestation. When you start getting desperate, and we've all been there before, but when you start feeling desperate and your, your prayers of desperation, you know, there's a place for desperate prayers, but a little bit of that goes a long way. I mean, you can, you can wear that stuff out. At a certain point, you have to say, I don't know what's going to go, I don't know how this thing's going to work out, but it's going to work out in my favor. And I'm just going to believe. If you want to say, if God before me, who can be against me, that's fine. I'm more inclined to say, I go through every day believing that everything in the universe is rigged in my favor. I just believe everything is working. It's just working for me. That doesn't take anything away from you. I want you to feel the same way about you. But in my journey, it's all working in my favor. Okay? Totally. Totally. Well, that's why even in Psalm 112, he says, the man whose heart is established is not afraid of evil tidings. Because he read the whole thing. He says he's sown seed, he's given, he knows where he's made investments. And that's why he's not worried about it. Because it's like, well, I'm good. I've, ta- I've taken care of all my business. I'm telling you, this is going to be a great series. It's going to be better even, even better next week. This is from Mark in the Now. Available at jimswooleybooks.com. <laughs> And on Amazon.com. I have a large inventory. Um, this is Mark eleven twenty four. This is why I'm telling you, whatever you ask for in prayer, whatever you decree, believe. Accept the reality that it exists in another unseen dimension simply because you say it. Don't suspend or delay belief until you see it manifested in the physical realm because what is unseen is more real than what is seen. Be confident that your request is granted to you and you will get it. Your own irresistible faith will attract it to you. And then let me finish up with, um, uh, I love, Louise Hay, she was great. She transitioned two or three years ago now. But she lived a good long life and and she was amazing if you ever get a chance to read her story. But I love that she says, I don't fix problems, I fix my thinking then problems fix themselves. That's why if you can't stop worrying about it, then change the scenery. Just I can't sit in this chair and think about this thing anymore. I've got to go I've got to go do something else. I've got to go look at something else. I've got to have a change of scenery. I've got to you know I've had experiences in my life where I was in a 
not a financial crisis, but I was, you know, having a little bit of trouble with abundance. And sometimes I would m make myself buy something or go out to eat or, or do something that just went against that vibe. Like, I don't like the way I'm feeling. I'm feeling, I'm feeling too much lack. I need to, I need to go do something to sort of change this energy. Um, you know, if there is such a thing, I used to teach this, if there is such a thing as familiar spirits, then what you should do is the unfamiliar. Like, do do something that will sort of shock the demon, if you will. But I love this, like, instead of micromanaging the problems, because I'm laying on your bed and ruminating about it, what's going to happen if this happens? What's going to happen if that happens? Um... All it does is it makes a, a bad situation worse. It doesn't, it not only doesn't fix it, it makes it worse. Exactly. It's what they call, in politics, they call unforced errors. Like sometimes you'll see a politician just shoot themselves in the foot and think, well, you, man, you just, you just totally did such a stupid thing. I mean, I've looked at some politicians do things that I think, you know what, you totally deserve that. You, you know, you should have known better than to do that. But, but we do those things in our own life. Exactly. We get in our own way. So if you can't think positive about it, then just stop thinking about it. Like, change that energy and let this concept of he who began a good work and you will continue to perform it. You know, like just say, all right, I don't know how. It, it's some, I think I said this to you already, but it's kind of the simplicity of changing the energy on this phrase. You can say, I don't know how this is going to work out. Or you can say, oh, I do not know how this is going to work out. Meaning, I'm on the verge of an adventure. I got no clue how this is going to work. And it's the same words. But if you put it out there like, I don't know. I just don't know. Do you know? <laughs> but if you say those same words, I don't know how it's going to work out, but I guarantee it's going to be good because it's always good for me. And sometimes, sometimes I, I go past the 11th hour. Sometimes, sometimes Lazarus is in the grave for four days before Jesus finally shows up. And that late Jesus can work your nerves. <laughs> Y'all know late Jesus who shows up four days later when Lazarus' sister comes out and goes, yeah, that's great. That's great that you're here now. Now that everybody's eaten all the food and the flowers have died. Uh, if you'd been here when we asked you, my brother wouldn't have died. Jesus, that's cute that you've been out healing everybody else, but you know your your best friend, remember? I mean, thanks for coming. <coughs> right. Yeah, dry that up, Jesus. Your tears, a little late for tears. We cried days ago. 
And what happens? Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. And, and what he said was exactly right. It was not a sickness unto death. He just left out the part that Lazarus actually was going to die. That's why if you miss a deadline on something, um, it doesn't matter. That's why there's scriptures like one day with the Lord is as a thousand years. Meaning this, you know, deadlines in, in the now, in eternity, deadlines don't matter. And so we have to change our thinking. And if we change our thinking, I'm telling you, I'm not saying you're not going to have problems. What I am saying is your problems are going to fix themselves. If you'll just, if you'll just take your hands off it. I, I'll say this and then I'll close. I was, this, um, painting I did this week. I just wanted to see if I could do a painting with my right hand, which I, I did, and it's okay. I had, I had people, several people wanting to buy it, and, uh, and it, it sold. Oh, yeah, there it is. Um, and it was okay. I mean, there's a couple things I just had to use my left hand on because it was just too precise. But, and I paid a price for it because later, like, oh, that hurt. Um, but mostly right-handed. And it only confirmed to me that you are definitely left-handed. <laughs> it definitely reconfirmed to me, like, you've got to be yourself. Uh, but it was cool, and I might even do another one, just to, just so I know that I could, could do it. But what I've noticed about paintings before, some of you, many of you have bought stuff from me, and you would have no idea some of the things I've been through with paintings. Because... And I finally learned my lesson. But many times I have finished a painting and I like it. I'm like, okay, that's cool. I like the way that looks. And I keep looking at it. And then I think, but you know what? It would really look good. And I'll add this thing that as soon as I do it, I'm like, oh, shoot. That doesn't look good. And then I try to fix that thing. And now I got a whole thing going on. I can't tell you how many times I've had to just finally just start over. I've just had to go back to the store and buy another canvas. Cause, and the whole time I'm driving there, I'm like, to myself, if you could just keep your hands off it, leave it alone. But no, you just had to keep messing with it until you destroyed it. It was fine like it was. So now I've, I've done that enough now that I've learned when it's basically finished, and there's a couple things I can do to tweak it, but when it's basically finished, I will actually say to myself, do not touch that painting again. Sometimes I'll even turn it backwards on the easel. Like, don't even look at it. Don't even look at it for 24 hours because you're going to keep staring at it thinking, I know it's good, but I can make it so much better. No, you couldn't. It was fine like it is. Leave it alone now that's it's not the end of the world if you mess up a painting what's bad is when you have a situation in your life that would have been just fine if you had just kept your hands off it and just let whatever was already happening just let it happen you know back in the old church they say let go and let God and there is such a truth to that as much as I believe that we have divinity and we are co-creators and all that kind of stuff, you, after you have done your part, then put the brush down. 
and say, okay, I've done all my stuff. Now whatever supernatural needs to be added to my, whatever super needs to be added to my natural will be the supernatural. All right? Put a comma there. Did you get anything out of this? I told y'all. Let's all stand. <laughs> Um, play me an outro, if you would, please. Contributing to Metron is quick and easy. You can give any time using any smartphone. Text the amount you'd like to donate to 404-620-5044. You will then receive a notification that you successfully completed your donation. You may also visit bishinthenow.com and click the support tab to give there as well. When you contribute to Metron, you're also donating to the charity or organization of the month. Thank you for your investment into Metron. If you have cash, just pay it forward. And I haven't been able to say this in a while. If you have a check, make it to JESM and give it to Pastor Danny. I'm so happy I could say that again. Because I, I don't want you to give it to anybody else. Even if you weren't planning on writing a check, just write one today. So that, so that you can hand, have him hand him something. They have never missed. They always watch, but I, I told them last, because they were in Tybee, I said, I know, but I like y'all. I like when y'all are here. I like your energy. And so they were here today. Um, this is going to be good. All right. Uh, I release miracles into your life. Uh, I, I speak good words over your thinking that you know what to do and what not to do, what to say and what not to say. You know how to let a thing go. Uh, you have a sense of timing. You have awareness of miracles. And that, indeed, everything in the universe is rigged in your favor. You wake up tomorrow saying, this is the day the Lord has enabled me to make. I will rejoice and be glad in it. God bless you. Go in peace. I got mad love for you all.